All right. Welcome to Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. I am Denard Dale, a.k.a. Blind Monkey. Do I use that nickname anywhere anymore? It's useful when I pull a prank that's very illegal. Illegal. It's going, like, we'll get you actually just arrested. Yeah, really, uh, really walked the line of that MTA thing. I mean, that was the one that got you in the papers, so, like. Dude, got me in the papers, got me my job. I guess I'm the man I am today because, hey, guys, um, if you ever have a chance to break the law or not break the law, I Do recommend it. I would breaking recommend the law. breaking the law. I mean, fuck the police just to begin with. But mm-hmm. also, That's don't you want to be a cool teen like me? Yeah, yeah, a cool teen. I'm a cool I've teen. Been a of cool teen for, <laughs> I've been a cool teen for over a decade now. And it is the best lifestyle. So, uh, which one of our uh, three rounds do you want to do first here? I want to do the good one first. All right, we're going to do the it's good so one rare. first. It's so rare. It is so rare. We have a rare fruit today. Um, well, it's not that it's that rare that there are good shows. It's just rare that we cover them. But this is a show, um, that, and all this stuff is, uh, is uh, going to be from the 2020 winter season, right? Uh, this is a mm-hmm. show that has been probably getting a decent amount of press as just a really fucking good show um, out of, you know, a master director, in this case, Masaki Yuasa, you know, director of Mind Game, Kaiba, um, Devilman Crybaby. Let's drop the, the title in there. Oh, yeah, uh, it's uh, Keep Your Hands Off Aizouken, which is such a, it's, it's a show with such a very simple premise that it does just everything with. I was really worried when I uh, caught the concept on paper and I knew we were watching it because it just said a club of high school girls Ooh. have whimsical slice of life adventures, which describes so many things that I have absolutely no interest in whatsoever. Me no, neither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I was going to be riding a train of fear and loathing. I, and I was still interested because, you know, the guy is a master director. Like, ooh, I'm going to see Quentin Tarantino make the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> but no, no, no. This show has a lot of great things going forward. Visually, not- tonally. It's a... I don't know, it's a, good, it's a good ride. It's a good ride. There's, um, like, some actual passion behind it, um, which yeah. is rare. There's no cynicism at all. And that's that's often the problem that I have with a lot of these shows. Like, I have, you know, I have all of my problems with Isekai, and I all have all of my problems with, you know, aloe shit, and I have all of my problems with, you know, just lazy moe bullshit. And, like, the, the through current for all of them is uh, lazy cynicism. And there's absolutely none of that in Keep Your Hands Off, Isaacin, which is um this great little story. It's a very simple story in its, you know, conception of just... Three girls who are trying to make an anime. You know, you've got one of them who's a character designer. Um, you've got one of them who's more of a concept artist slash background designer. Uh, and and then one of them who is basically a producer in the womb who will be a chain smoker in 10 years. <laughs> oh, man. Chain she can't get cigarettes now, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 15 now. Will be a chain smoker and day drinker. My favorite character out of the three of them by... A country fucking mile, by the way. Yeah, and they've all got um pretty distinct looks and feels, which is, you know, pretty appropriate for a show about animation and love therein. Yeah, absolutely. You, the show is very distinguished visually, stylistically. Like, oh, yeah. The, the moment it, you see the people. It's it's so very much a, uh, a Masaki Yuasa show. It's pretty it's pretty unmistakable as one, if you're familiar with his work. Um, Although it's actually kind of restrained, given what else we've seen out of him, even in very recent years. Like, I think my first exposure to him was Kaiba. For a lot of people, it was Mind Game. 
Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people, because it came out on Netflix about a year or two ago, was um, Devil Man Crybaby. All of these had really, really weird out there animation styles. And Man, this is Devil this... Man Crybaby. That got a lot of uh, momentum among the hot topic crowd. Yeah, I, I were for good reason too. I mean, it had style. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, I was really, really excited because I've, I've seen Devil Man, right? Mm-hmm. I've read Devil Man, right? I know exactly where that shit goes. So it was kind of fun just seeing that there was a new adaptation of it and being like, ooh, I can't wait for the memes about the people who felt personally betrayed by how this ends. Ah. Like, why would you do this to me, Masaki Wasa? No, no, Go Nagai did this to you in, like, 1978. And I don't know, I think we all just need to be reminded of what pain is every now and then. Absolutely. This series was not painful, though. This is a joyful little series that um has this sort of energy to it that that kind of makes you feel made me feel um or at least made me remember uh feeling young and being really really goddamn excited about things about the things that i absolutely love it definitely um captures that spirit of enthusiasm of uh kind of being a young creator even just having a young project like when you're gunning at the thing and you don't really have any sense of scale or attainability which is why you need your future chain smoking friend oh yeah absolutely is that our problem we don't have like a future chain smoking producer person Man, should I have just stuck around with that one Princeton girlfriend? Or? I just remember in high school, all of us were potentially that one future chain-smoking friend. And then everyone just veered into the cuckoo creator. We all veered into the cuckoo creator, and we just decided to start drinking instead of smoking, unfortunately. But not because not we, cocktails, because, you know, that's... I don't know. Are cocktails that... Like the daytime cocktails, like Tom Collins or Manhattans. That's the, that's the cocktail of a productive person. I just drink beer. I mean, I'll dive into cocktails or wine or beer or rubbing alcohol or spiked O'Doul's. Everclear, schnapps. Paint. Limoncello. You know that's, that stuff beneath the sink, like we keep all your cleaner and soaps and stuff? I'll just try mixing those together and seeing if there's a kick to it. Kind of a really shitty cognac lately. But yeah, um, this show's got a fun little trio. Um, okay, so we talked about um, producer lady at length. I guess she's our favorite so far. Oh, she's so but, great. Um, there, there's, there's a bouncy, there's sort of a bouncy short main girl who has the. He, she sort of always kicks off the little flights of fancy that. Yeah, this they go is on. this is very much her show, and she does a good job kind of anchoring it. She is, you know, the 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 sort of imaginative one who's kind of propelling things forward. I think this show's. Um, what the show is going to be remembered for is uh, every episode features one or sometimes two scenes. I think uh, I'm a, I'm up to speed with it. I think the two of us watched the first couple of episodes together. Yeah. Uh, every episode uh, features a scene or two where we kind of just go into her imagination uh, as she's sort of plotting out how all of this is going to look, right? Oh, yeah, and she's imagining, like, building such and such machine, and the momentum sometimes carries over into little accidents in real life, including her falling off of the second floor of a building. (laughs) There was this great little visual gag where producer friend um, already just has her phone out, ready to film this right there. (laughs) Kind of snickers at her while uploading the thing to YouTube, sending it to the press. The thing is elevated by having a sense of humor that is both smart but not 
very Ar- but neither cloying nor arbitrarily mean no absolutely it's it's um it's a show that very much gets how you know teenagers interact i think mm. um i they, there's a whole lot of verisimilitude going on when you're when you're like looking at these characters and sort of how they agree with one another how they disagree with one another how they get kind of annoyed with one another a little bit every here and there um the way that yeah. friends often do um they'll like they'll rag on each other a little bit they'll be they'll be helping each other out you know the whole time right because at at the end of the day this is not one of those shows where you know the dialogue is so cutting and biting and it's just everyone insulting one another for 22 minutes no it's it's not that um i'm not trying to imply that it's that um it's more like uh, the, the way that um the, the way that you talk with your friends, right? When you're, you know, you're both kind of just excited mm-hmm. about something and you're talking about that. And occasionally, you know, like. Someone has to say, what are you doing? Someone, someone yeah, you know, someone, someone says something, you know, that's potentially riffable. And, you know, the other one will immediately jump on that riff. How can you resist? And that's why I never really get anything done. But yeah, it's got a lot of charm to it. Something I was considering dunking on or joking about for a second was just the resources at their disposal. You see, they start this animation club to make an animated film, and they get a little building for it. And I was going to say, what high school has all these fucking resources? But then I had a little flashback, and I know I'm known for my little tangents, but for, let, let me have this one. Go for it, go for it. So I went to... Um, Princeton University because I am very good at rotely memorizing answers and pretending that's a skill and while or affirmative action whatever and while I was over there I was shopping around for locations to host a uh, I don't know, we have this annual da- dance show I, ra- I ran the crew for a year that it's not important the point is I needed to find a large space and the and the quest of this took me to Princeton High School which had an auditorium which we almost rented and would have been cool also I did some charity for it or whatever but the point is I've seen Princeton High School, and now I understand where all the magic... The, the fucking schools you see on TV shows or anime that have just... Oh, just, yeah, no, they spare have... Spare rooms and drawers, drawers full of expensive shit. The like, lockers have keypads. We're the banking club. We're the movie production club. It turns out that this place is real. I walked in and looked like 22nd century saved by the bell. There are LCD wall-mounted televisions everywhere. It's huge. Good God. I don't know how the other half lives. I said. I remember the big projectors in our, then like the newer classrooms in our public high school, were looking pretty fucking neat back in two thousand nine. Yeah, we were real impressed by that shit. Meanwhile, in Princeton High School, they're riding in there on the backs of people. Hello, students. We've switched to whiteboards. <laughs> so yeah, I can um, I can buy the film production club a little more. What I really appreciate about this show, um, because of how antipathetic I am towards the genre, is I love how anti-moe it is. Um, you know, the, the moe genre being, you know, kind of, you know, the, the, the idea of, you know, cute girls doing cute things and, you know, there's there's not actually any substance to it. They're just kind of doing cute things and that's kind of really where it ends and i guess they sort of have nice little character interactions but it's all very rote mm. um and the characters in this show the character designs are very much not what you would consider cute in that you know sort of traditional 
Japanese moe sense. Quite the opposite, in fact. You know, like they all all the characters are drawn to look fairly plain. Um, but you feel for them so much fucking more than you would, you know, like some random goddamn moe blob. I think. Well, here's the. It's what what always pisses me off is when I feel like um, I'm being made into a mark or i'm being thought yeah. of as a mark right they're trying to sell me this character dude i can live with being thought of as a mark you just have to fucking try and i think the character design this show uh, and i guess for just the basic cartooning talents like you someone who like was awake during their first two years at sva yeah well in, in my case i never felt like i was like there was anything cloying going on or I was being, you know, manipulated into liking a collection of pixels. <laughs> um, the way that I so often feel whenever I watch something of the Moe genre, this actually, the, the, the characters do actually feel real and I feel for them and I want good things for them because they actually have some amount of depth, right? You, mm-hmm. you, um, there's verisimilitude to their actions and, you know, their personalities, right? Um, they're not anime characters. They're just people in an anime. Um, they're, th- this show eschews cliches um, so goddamn consistently. It um, feels good. It, it really, it really feels like a, a, a completely new type of show. Sometimes. I was really worried for a second What's, when yeah. they dropped in her being like an idol or something or the son of was it actors or a musician or something. Yeah, shit, yeah. The, the third girl, the character the... designer, is is you know a um is you know in her public life um you know like a teenage fashion model, right? And I was sweating bullets. It's like when. It's like when Palpatine came on screen in the most recent Star Wars film. I was thinking, oh, shit. <laughs> the walls are about to cave in. But uh, it went to a fun place. And it informs her character without becoming overbearing. And Well, it it um it's very much uh, out there on the peripheries, right? It's mm-hmm. not the focus of the show. And it never really becomes the focus of the show. Just, um, no, um, we're early in the season, by the way. If it somehow takes over the show. I'm oh, if it somehow shakes over the show, weeks, I'm going to get fucking pissed. No, um, but it what it does is um, it informs her character and creates a little bit of conflict here and there without it being this, I don't know, strange Hannah Montana-esque <laughs> premise. It, it it does not become a premise. Um, it just becomes a minor source of conflict um, for the character, you know, both internal and external. Um, there's a scene in a later episode where, you know, she just kind of runs into a couple of fans and sort of immediately slips into that public face that, uh, you know, um, public figures sort of have to develop in order to, you know, kind of... Um, you need to refine uh, a tone of voice in which you say, I did not have sex with that woman in sort of the Bill Clinton parlance. But, you know, just for workaday things, too, like, please stop following me, Mr. Paparazzi Man. I'm trying to sleep or talk to my child. Yeah. Yes. I feel kind of remiss that I keep bringing up the look of the show, but I haven't actually talked about all the little animation stuff that they do. Oh, there's so many both little in terms animation of the... things that they do. That's Yuasa right there. Yeah. Both in terms of the actual animation and when they... I should have brought this up, but when they start these little flights of fancy that they have, their little, I don't know, Rugrats deviations, in a good way, um... They usually start in the form of a sort of inside baseball riff about animation. Like, she's talking about how anime constructs things. And they're usually explaining it to the one girl who's sort of a producer, so not super knowledgeable about yeah, anime she's, backstage. She's just there to make sure that they get shit done. She does, like, she she straight up admits very early on in the show that she's 
not actually that into anime, but she sort of sees the opportunity here and, you know, is a good friend, wants to encourages her, wants to encourage her friend's passions, right? And, you know, she, she sees a win-win situation yeah. here. Yeah, the show is very incidentally educational. In fact, given it eschewing a lot of, um, I don't know, annoying anime things, having a focus on youth and just being relatively approachable tonally, this might actually be a good jumping on point for anime in general, like oh, trying to get someone yeah. into it or sell them on it or whatever. Yeah, it'd be a fantastic one. I think um, it knows when to be granular, like when to mm. get granular about, hey, so animation, here's some interesting stuff you might want to know, uh, and when not to be, and when to just sort of take you into... Uh, Asakusa is the name of the uh, of the main character. When to take yeah. you into her imagination as she's thinking... Uh, about, you know, this sort of, um, she, she seems to be a very big, um, they never actually say his name, but she's a huge, um, Hayao Miyazaki fan. Um, oh man, they, oh yeah, they don't say his name, but, but their breakdown of a basically a Miyazaki scene is yeah, it's, really uh, amusing. And, and it's really fun sort of like watching her construct these, you know, Miyazaki flying machines and these Miyazaki flight scenes, yeah. um, you know, whole cloth uh and dragging her friends uh along into them and they seem to be uh, because of how um and, and this is like both great character writing and just really a treat to see animated because of um how excited and animated she is they seem to be as much a part of these fantasies as she is they seem to be mm. uh witnessing it with the same vivacity uh that she is imagining it yeah when i made that um Rugrats gag earlier. It's because this show does basically a way more artful version of the gag on that show where the, I don't know, the infants would all be sort of caught in the same daydream, but they're also moving in reality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in that, this sort of sense was, you know, kids play pretend. Yeah, and this is more like the creative sort of process. The, yeah, this is this is more, you're kind of getting inside of Asakusa's head. And um, because she is so good at articulating ideas, you know, um, you have the other two characters who are right there with her, who seem who their presence in her, you know, kind of little fantasies here are sort of a marker that she is able to create such a captivating idea that they are right there with her. Oh, it makes you feel really good to see. Like the um the last oh yeah it is also just generally feel good television oh absolutely it's a very happy little show its oh, theme um, song is a fucking bop once again we're early if one of these kids gets cancer and dies oops I guess oops, yeah but I guess um, I don't know maybe it's like that fucking what was that Antarctica anime called oh did one of them get cancer and die I don't think I cancer I don't think went to fucking Antarctica and it just smelled like tragedy I didn't even watch it because I just I don't know man I was in one of my little political funks I wasn't in the mood to watch two out of five <laughs> girls bite it. <laughs> Uh, it's what, a place further than the universe, right? That's the one. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It just it just smells like watching a trailer to Old Yeller. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll... one of these kids is getting taken to the shed. I could like go on TV tropes right now and confirm or deny. No, no. We've got more things to talk so, about. What it reminded me, not in terms of um form or content in any way, but just in terms of emotional resonance, is uh, I've been to three out of I think the four Disney's that exist. Maybe there are more. Fuck it, but. There are a lot of them. There's a lot of There's them. There's a lot of them. Okay, never There's mind. two of them in China alone. My God. Okay, so I'm full of shit. I've been to Disneyland, Disney World, and Tokyo Disney, and I'm a fan of every version of Fantasmic, right? And There's three you haven't been to. There's three I haven't been to. Okay, I'm halfway through the quest. I might just have to complete the circuit. My point with the Fantasmic thing is that what I liked about all that is that the show, that while being good on its own, 
it always sort of reignites in me the idea that creation itself is fun and worthwhile and leaves a mark on the world. Even if it doesn't leave a mark on the world, leaves a mark on yourself. That's a very roundabout, florid way of saying that if you are a creative type person, I think you might get a little extra out of this show because just watching someone sort of fall in love with that for the first time is cool. Yeah, absolutely. There's something that I really um, miss about the first time I felt my soul just get set the fuck on fire by something. Um, and you know, just need to, need to do something about it. Nice. Uh, and, and that, that, that is long past. And every, every now and again, I'll have something that, you know, reignites that spark just a little bit, you know, something I witness or something I participate in that makes me just really fucking excited to do the things I love. But, um, like his amazing I, podcast, like the amazing podcast. Yes. But, uh, there, there is something that I can, you can never really ever experience it again for the first time, you know? Um, mm. and, but, you, but this, this show actually made me sort of come close as it made me kind of remember, you know, like those really, really early days when I was just, you know, uh, falling in love with anime as a medium when I was embarking on my first fictional endeavors, you know, like they're, they're old shames by now, but, uh, there is something so very exciting and alive about it. And you get that same sense of excitement and uh, I, I don't want to use the same $5 word twice here in this episode, but I got it. But that same vivacity. Um, Completely unrelatedly, keep an eye out for um, Mr. Legault and Mrs. Wright. Uh, the Pulse of the Stars coming winter 2020. Ha, you're locked into a release date now, fucker. Uh, that's too early, and that's the only the working title. It's a, it's a weekly. <laughs> don't ask you to drop the entire album in a day. <sighs> Remember to send him messages about the character of himself and his mother and the mother of his uh, fiance. If you do, this prog is not available for your consumption at that point. We've already bought you convention tables. Fantastic. And uh, speaking of what he was saying about how, how it um, reminded him of um, some sort of early creative bits. I had a similar feeling. Specifically, I have a... Uh, problem not a mercenary problem because it's not an economic thing but sometimes i get a little too fixated on ideas of making it or finding an off audience with various things which you know can lead to being driven in this in a way but can also distract be distracting from the fact that doing the various i don't know writing and comedy and etc things is first and foremost supposed to be fun and fun, my best yeah. stuff comes from it just being fun. And this, uh, I don't know, watch it. the way this thing lays out reminding me that it's fun. Like, none of these kids are thinking, like, okay, so how do we increase engagement with our film here? Well, actually, the producer's thinking that, but that's her sort of character gag. But well, What I like is that the three of them all have very distinct motivations. One of them, you know, the main character, Asakusa, is playing very much for the love of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is absolutely in it to make a buck. <laughs> um, uh, well, the third is sort of... Um, Kind of doing it because it is because she's not allowed to not although that's almost not fair to the character because she does actually seem to have this same love for it that uh that the main character does but um she she's coming from a very different place I guess um yeah the the tone around her is sort of um one of, she's sort of like one of those universal wunderkind types yeah well this to her it seems like there's something very secret and kind of forbidden and very special um about about anime and about animation 
Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's, like, approaching the other two saying, you know, uh, paint me like one of your weeaboo girls. Yeah, whereas Azakusa, like, has just completely made it into her entire world. Um, and, and it very literally becomes her entire world for, you know, stretches of, you know, entire sequences uh, in this show. And, like, God, I can't, I can't recommend this enough. It's such a fucking joy to see. I'm uh, generally dead in the side. I felt less so. I recommend this show, too. In fact, I consider this show to be a... Maybe a preview of our best of the 2020s in 10 Honest years. Honest to fucking God, yeah. And, this gri- is, and grizzled. This is probably going to be one of my favorite shows of the year. It might be just my favorite show of the year. Really fucking... <laughs> I just fucking love Masaki Yuaka coming out of the... Coming out the fucking gate swinging like this. Pitching heat. Just fucking drop kicking the entire fucking anime community. Daring someone to do better. Um... We're getting a second season of Kaguya-sama this year, so hey, like, maybe it ends up being a real good year. All right, yeah, W's to the sky. Why say that? We live on the East Coast, whatever. Uh, speaking of previews of our year, of our decade endless, a, a little preview of our worst came out Oh, yeah. Recently. Yeah, he's like, this is, it's gonna be a long 10 years, obviously. Do you have if the this, title? If this does not make it to the top five or bottom five, I guess... I'm going to be surprised and horrified. I don't have, I don't remember the actual title in Japanese. It translates to interspecies reviewers. Yep, yep, interspecies reviewers. I think it's, I think it's colloquially known as a mix of its Japanese and English title, like Ishijoku reviewers or something. But something uh, like that. Premise: Fantasy world, right? Full of brothels. That's where this show takes place. A uh, fantasy brothels. world is no, no. That's imprecise. Fantasy world can imply all kinds of cool okay. earthy shit. Generic this as is fuck. Fantasy world. An isekai world. Yeah, yeah. Minus minus the uh, it's, it's an isekai world minus the isekai setup. Yeah. It's just the world that any you know isekai protagonist gets transported into. Only we're not talking about you know that. We're not. Uh, God, it would feel almost refreshing if this I, was I an isekai. And I think that's something... Remember that old meme last scene from The Dark Knight where fucking Gordon comes up to Batman and one of them asks, Are you worried about escalation? <laughs> I think that's happening. There's like some kind of arms race of extremity within the fucking isekai thing itself. Like how shitty this, can it get? Because this show... Okay, look. You know I'm not Tipper Gore. You know I'm not Jack Thompson. You listen to this show. I I, I think the last episode I had a bunch of jokes about strippers in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. And then this shit comes out and I have to sound like a fucking member of the local Amish censoring board when I... It's disgusting. Uh, and I, It's just disgusting. There's no, like... And... Okay, so... So premise, I, premise time. I'm sorry, okay, premise, premise time, time. right? It's, it follows... Okay, I, 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 would, I guess there are four of them. There are two of them that matter. It follows two to four sick fucks who should be in jail because <laughs> they go to different brothels and review the women there, which is something I'm pretty sure that serial killers do before they really get going. Like, it's, like the, it's like stretching for serial killers. I've listened to enough um, last podcasts on the left where I can say more or less that this is kind of true. <laughs> Before we talk about, you know, cultural gaps and, oh, you know, you're just coming in this shit on the on something. No, 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 no. Funimation just stopped distributing this in America. This is wrong there, too. And Japan has an equal or greater problem with their brothel, whatever, setups, having a human trafficking thing. So it's not in a better cultural place there. This is just a terrible fucking show. <laughs> and it's not just bad in that it's, 
you know, reprehensible. It's bad in that it's lazy, too. Awesome. A I'm good, not... like, three or four minute... It felt like It felt like three or four minutes long. Maybe it wasn't that long, but it was just pans over still cheesecake shots, you know, for a good couple of scenes. I think I should lend some context to that. We got five or six... Not quite ten minutes into this episode, into the first episode of this show, before I'm like, I can't watch this. I, I refuse to cope to keep going right. on with this. This is legitimately cancerous. So I think I should lend some context to that, because I think I sort of just started going off on it like it punched me in a gonad, but which I guess it did metaphorically. So we start with our two. Um, Hunteress Thompson liked the word whorehoppers, or was that just Spider Jerusalem? Either way, whorehoppers, right? Mm-hmm. Literal whorehoppers. Yeah. Who have just finished whorehopping. Yeah. In this fantasy setting where, I don't know, it's a medieval setting, so I think they should just have syphilis now, but... Besides the point. That's besides the point. And often a, you know, a comedy series will try to sort of go for something really clever or representative for its opening gag, because like, oh shit, we need to tell people what the game is here. Mm-hmm. Sunny Philadelphia had the whole the gang gets racist thing where all four of them are immediately reprehensible in a way that is amusing to us. Yeah. In this one, it, it it's this thing that they think is really clever. And I could see how in the head of a person who, or a team that's writing the script to the horror review show, I feel like a crazy person to talk about this, but the gag is a human who sleeps with a 500-year-old elf prostitute argues with an elf that sleeps with an 80-year-old human prostitute that looks old, but the elf prostitute looks young, but the young elf guy is disgusted because the old elf prostitute that the human slept with... I'm going fucking crazy. No, here's the ...has thing. old this... energy. No, no, I'm finishing this. I'm okay, finishing okay, okay. describing this fucking setup. Whereas the human is disgusted at the elf whorehopper for sleeping with a prostitute that looks old. So then they get two of their whorehopping friends who sort of form a salon of whorehoppers... To sort of break down the pros and cons of these different fictional pieces of meat. And assign numbers to them. Here's the thing. That that whole initial disagreement that they had was one of the first times that a joke has actually been funnier when it was explained rather than when it was told. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's just like it was, the fact it that was, they did it, was, it is... The, the joke was played out so fucking incompetently that you actually just spelling out to me... You almost see the echoes of a joke that worked maybe in some, in another time, in another place, in a place far from here. Some place not here. Is that the line from uh, from Vinland Saga? Um, Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. In some place not here, this joke kind of tracked. Um, not, not here though. I don't know what's fucking happened, man. Like I could just see the alien sociologists putting up a still of the camera crawling up this 80-year-old prostitute's body as these four whorehoppers fucking review her existence. And then just explaining how the late Anthropocene fucking happened and why everything happened. I remember watching this show, right? A lot of, a lot of the really fucking bad shit we watch, right? There's some, there comes some entertainment value from sort of just lambasting it just yelling at the tv a little bit yeah you saw me yeah dead silent 
It was bad. It Dead was... silent. It was, I was. I had nothing to say to this show. I have very little to say about the show. This was the kind of bad that the film Caligula is, <laughs> right? Um, this is this is the sort of I can't finish this. Oh. I won't finish this. I refuse to finish this. Fuck off. Fuck you for making it. Fuck you for making me watch it. Fuck everyone involved in its production. They should be ashamed of themselves. I think this is some kind of high watermark, right? High? Well, I just mean that this is about as far as, I don't know, the pseudo-etchy isekai stream of thought can go. Because it's a sh- it's a show about reviewing Dragon Quest prostitutes. I'm, I don't know. I'm so fucking upset that it exists. I don't even know how that fucking happened. No, no, I know how it happened. I know why it happened. It's because, like, no one acted to stop it. Everyone was always like, oh, no, forget it, Jake. It's anime. Yeah, and this is... (laughs) Yeah. And now it's my sister, my daughter. Man, is this... Is this worse than Aramega Sensei? Possibly. I mean, I won't ever know because I'm not watching another fucking second of it. One time we tried to review this one fucking show, Val X Love. Oh, and yeah. It was such and a we pit could... of nothing. We had to tap early because there wasn't anything to talk about. Oh, there wasn't anything to talk It was just fucking boring. This was... Oh, this was so terrible in a way that wasn't even... This one makes my fucking radically centrist ass want to go on a fucking Gender Studies 203 rant, so you can pretty much understand how badly they <laughs> fucked the dog. You know, eventually there's going to be an episode reviewing different dog prostitutes because... I, I bet. No, I bet. I bet. I what I, what I'll do maybe is maybe I'll just find synopses of the various episodes and see just where they fucking go from here. I would be fascinated. That might even be a riff unto itself because I'm not watching more. But oh, absolutely, fucking I'll project not. it over their summaries because they they're not. They don't. They don't have a big toolbox here, so I'm pretty sure it's gonna be a, re- a repetition of elements, if you will. I just okay when you have when you have horrible characters, right? Mm-hmm. The audience likes watching them, right, and is interested in seeing what they do, not because they are sympathetic, but because they are compelling. This is why um, a show like Always Sunny, right, has been mm-hmm. going on for twelve years, and a show like. Oh, I don't know. Titan Maximum lasted a single season, right? Because they have to be compelling. Uh, in order, that was a really fucking deep cut right there. Uh, because no, no, I mean it comes across. Um, Titan Maximum was an Adult Swim program. Sort everyone of was to... a fucking asshole, and they weren't even like an interesting asshole, and it wasn't fun to watch. All right, that was an app summer. It was also a Voltron parody for some reason. It was a reason. Voltron parody, yeah. It was in... Seth Green and I think the um the other the other guy on Robot Chicken. Explain to me parodies of i can I can only talk about the horror shows for so long explain to me parodies of things that haven't been in the zeitgeist for around like does this need a takedown this late in the game or i guess it can be more of a love letter and i guess titan maximum for all that was was still by someone who liked voltron kind of shit yeah i guess and was incapable of writing a character i wanted to see you know his next move whatever this we didn't i didn't come here to dunk on a you know aborted uh seth green project from 2008 in fact, us veering off topic kind of reminds me of how I would describe the show. And it's the last thing I'm going to say about this Yeah, yeah I just show. don't want to like keep talking about this. I'd rather just not have ever watched it. Yeah, while he felt that genre of pain, for me, it was very specifically like staring into the sun for too long. 
Yeah, I didn't... Because I can make fun of all streams of bad media, but this is, uh, the sun. <laughs> yeah, I, am. Um, my fiancé was in the room while we were watching this, He's and I... He's single now. Yeah, that's why they're my fi... Um, <laughs> but I didn't want anyone to look at me while I was watching this. I felt actively dirty looking at it. I I felt almost violated by the idea that anyone could see me while I was watching this show. It was rough. It was... <sighs> yeah, I'm, right. not, I'm not coming so back got, to this. All right, so we got a third feature. We got a third feature. Felt a little sunnier about this one, but it's not a good show. <laughs> it's not great. We had... I'm, I'm giving this one a gentleman's sticks just because it, I was I was very sports entertained. Yes, I was very sports entertained. <laughs> I watched someone get thrown through a table. <laughs> also proof that I am not opposed to dumb media. Oh, Things no. can be dumb Some... and fun and I wouldn't well intentioned isn't the word, just not necrotic. It wasn't overly cynical maybe it was like a little cynical and that it used a whole bunch of you know old tricks that i've seen a million times yeah, before there's definitely a return of a flavor of edge i am deeply familiar with yeah so this this is uh this is darwin's game which is about a gotcha game where you die uh if you don't win think about what this says about think society about the bottom text um yeah and i would i would i would sort of describe it as this interesting mix of what like Mirai Nikki, yeah, there's a lot dance, of that. uh, fourth thing. Okay, so it has, future, it has a future diary thing going on, as has dance. dance. Um, Battle Royale isn't quite the right thing because that's more about a tight cell of characters in a sort of bottle setting. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of these, you know, tournament of murder type shows. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it. <sighs> I remember there was a manga it... running for a while. I think it was a shonen type thing where it was about people trying to attract as many followers as possible. Just that sort of social media satire thing that manga's trying to find the right wavelength for. And I'm, sh- I'm going to say someone will, will eventually crack it or maybe someone has cracked it and I just haven't read it yet. But I don't know. It's Tokyo Ghoul, maybe? I never managed to get into Tokyo Ghoul. It was that, just too... Tokyo Ghoul has... had like by the numbers. Yeah, I don't know. It, would all, it was also sort of... You didn't watch Tokyo Ghoul. You were a Tokyo Ghoul fan, or you weren't. Mm. Um, this show's exact IQ level reminds me of Dead Man Wonderland. Possibly a hot take. I know a whole lot of people who thought that show was genius. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I did not dislike it that intensely. It was just a... Silly. It was just a, sil- blood it was just a silly superpowers. blood superpower action show. <laughs> blood feel the edge um all right so i guess we should explain some some more basics here so yeah cell phone game of murder uh it gives you a stand stand. you get a stand you get a stand like come on this is anime we're not gonna pretend it's anything else they drag showing it they drag that one out a bit like i kept on writing down must we stand on ceremony (laughs) stand on ceremony for many of the familiar elements sort of slowly dripped in this so here's the thing that this show does that i kind of fucking loved uh which which is not necessarily to its credit but i still fucking loved it is i love shonen stuff where everyone takes things about like 
75% more seriously than they should. Oh, like, this, this is yeah. literally life or death, but it's so amazingly... Its characters are so amazingly operatic about everything. It really, like, in a way that no one would ever fucking... It is the opposite pole of, like, the bathos people sort of point at in, like, sort of Marvel films. I wrote down the words very serious three times <laughs> in my notes, actually. Like, no, like, everyone's completely straight-faced and yelling all the time. Uh <laughs> That adds some entertainment value. Uh, it really does. This actually reminded me, at least for my money and my media consumption diet, dumb anime that isn't insulting or Dragon Quest is kind of like that joke about pizza and sex. Or beer. Or beer. Like even pizza when it's or beer. yeah, even when it's bad, it's good. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. That, that that that's the thing. As I said before, I was very sports entertained by this show. Um, I think. Oh, you know, there was this one very particular thing about it is that it's very clearly a shonen show, right? Like mm-hmm. very, very much aimed at that demographic. And Grass I love, roots. I love when shonen gets gory because it gets gory in a way that only shonen gets, where it's very cleanly gory it's just kind of red colored sometimes uh, just to be precise because i know someone's gonna shit on me about this at some point um sam is still using the term shonen and like battle anime interchangeably here but you you fucking know what he means listen if if you are deep enough in the trenches to make that distinction you already understand the character of what he's saying move on continue sam <laughs> You know, you watch a sign-in, right? Mm-hmm. You watch a sign-in, and someone gets gored in a sign-in, and it's very... It's always a little bit less funny to watch than someone in a shonen, <laughs> right? Someone someone gets nicked in the neck in this shonen, and then it zooms out, and... It's like a super soaker. <laughs> and it's, it's difficult to take seriously, because even if you've never seen someone's artery get nicked, you know it doesn't look like that. You know, in deep in your heart, you know, your caveman brain is just saying, no blood go that way. <laughs> By the way, with his first um murder... gush, not spurt. With his first murder opponent, who is a guy in a baseball mascot suit, um, stabbing people up, I couldn't help but think, man, paranoia agent really left a mark on people's psyche, huh? Paranoia agent, that was like the other thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was a show that had um amidst a lot of other psychological shit going on and cool things. It had uh just that guy Shonen Bat who was that kid running off a baseball bat. The kid, yeah, who got very much just I don't know where I'm going with that. Ran, just, just, just a small aside because oh, I found that the, very the, the, uh, the unique um, silhouette. That's what I'm trying to say. Just you know, a very unique little silhouette going around. And, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you've got this one. The, the premiere episode was 43, 45 minutes long, which I'm seeing is uh, becoming more and more of a thing lately in anime. I remember Shield Hero had a 45 minute long premiere episode. It probably makes it a bit easier to move because I know often when we watch these premieres, the first episode ends on a note that, and so, sort of arbitrary feeling cliffhanger. Yeah, it's like okay, and this lets them just do the whole I don't know double punch in one shot. I mean, you could argue that maybe they should just follow that form a little less rigidly, but I don't know whatever gets you to Rome sometimes. Yeah, I, yeah, no. I, once again, I was sports entertained. I, I didn't. I didn't. By mind. the way, his sidekick is a terrible character. <laughs> Like, I legitimately wrote that. I, I know... Oh, yeah, just, no, just, this show just, lost uh, points for her. I just wrote out, Tauli, you're a terrible character. <laughs> She's um a murder girlfriend, which is something that people are really into. The only thing she's better at than murdering is 
wanting to suck his dick. Yeah, um, and uh, oh, oh yeah, I think I think we actually forgot to refer to the main character of the show. Whatever, it's you. It's 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 the shonen main character. You've seen him before. You know who exact, exactly. He is the who he starter is. character editor guy. He it's the guy who is you know ostensibly a character, but is you know you. I think the lack of time that they took with him, or I guess don't take time for that arch because it's supposed to be projecting yourself. But I almost wonder if if they had taken the time to make him a specific thing, if this show might have moved over the edge into almost a kind of like grindhouse kind of fun. Oh sure, yeah, like K Corono, this guy is not. Yeah. Um, and, and if and if this guy had been fifteen percent more K Corono or fifteen percent more, oh, what's like another kind of fun protagonist of this sort of genre that I've really enjoyed. Uh, I don't know. Like, even I would have even bought a Joseph Joestar type character for this sort of thing. Just, you oh, know, like amusing ass clown playing this game. Right. Um, but, it, but it, you know, they just take a standard route of the guy screaming, what's happening to me? By the way, what I don't buy this that this guy both plays video games and does not catch on to all the genre bullshit going on in this show for about 35 minutes. I'm not... That he does play video games? It is, you know... Yeah, he downloads a gacha game to play. Okay, yeah. I love... We were, I think we were, we were talking about it. We, we, we touched upon it in brief, but this show seems to almost be taking a stab at satire, but it's a really lazy stab that doesn't actually go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, when you think about gacha games, the problem with them out, they, they separate people from money, they play off social isolation, whatever. Running around they murdering people... They don't encourage people, you to murder your friends. about fucking gacha games. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. They're, that's literally not even... Like I've never adjacent seen... to the problem of gacha games or microtransactions or free to play slash pay to win that sort of thing. None of that has anything. To... Yeah, for all the thongs and cash money donations you find in these apps, it's... if every gacha game was Manhunt, maybe I could buy this show. Oh, hello, everyone, and this is Denard Dale from the Dated Reference family. I'm... Manhunt was a Rockstar Games production where you played a guy who I can only describe as a heroic serial killer trapped in a... I don't know, maybe a Western Battle Royale kind of setup. He has to run around murdering people. Whatever. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. It's pretty brutal. I think... I'm trying to give the show the benefit of the doubt, and I'm trying to actually come up with a reading of this show that is where the whole... But they have to kill each other. Do you see what this says about the state of society? Bottom text Whoa. where that whole thing makes sense. And I I guess it, in my head, the one reading that kind of works is, oh man, these games are so exploitive, exploitative, exploitive. They even exploit murder i i don't know I'm, i don't, look, I feel like i'm halfway there I don't, how would how would you make the the gotcha they, satire they action show they could but we're no they're so they could even convince people to kill one another if you know that was you know what got them their points or i guess i don't place, know I just, I just don't think it's there i guess a place they could take it is if you could give up things that were i don't know emotionally important to you or something or people in your life for a boost in the tournament or something maybe it'll go there that's a route like maybe to power up your stand you need to just start throwing away your life savings or i don't know 
this show's dumber than so maybe you have to kill your mom to power up your stand. <laughs> I'm just I'm spitballing here. No, because here's the thing, you've already This is already a matter of life and death. So, you know, the whole life savings things, that doesn't that that doesn't track as, you know, do you see what this says about society bottom text? Uh because yeah. no, yeah, I would totally spend eight thousand dollars. <laughs> Uh, mm. I would totally spend $8,000 to not die. That is what that is worth to me. Possibly more, but I don't have more. Yeah, um, we've got a savings that match our generation's standard of living. It's a, it's an issue. By the way, we're taking donations. Just kidding, we don't have a Patreon. Not, there aren't going to be fucking people yet. Oh, but there will be. Come 2021, we'll probably have a Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so this sort of stole from everything a bit. I think you talked a bit about this. Yeah, earlier, no, you but... were in, in the in the bottom uh in the in the bottom five episode that we put out a little while ago, you were talking about how Sword Art Online stole from everything and but why? You know, like and, and mm. it did nothing interesting with it. This stole from everything and did something rather entertaining with it. I guess there, there's nothing too amazingly original about Darwin's game, but it's 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 so it's such a fucking chips and dip show that I don't really mind so much. Yeah, I think in its best moment it's just chaotic and frenetic and kind of dumb, but there are things happening and I guess I can enjoy that. I remember when the villainous figure, um, our erstwhile gangbanger Wang came on and he has a snake jacket and teeth that look like fangs and snake <laughs> tattoo. Do you understand that he's a snake, Randy Orton? It's a uh, highly amusing man. That hissing thing is gonna be super amplified by this microphone. Like it's gonna be the worst s pop of all time. But do I need to put a low pass on? I don't know anything about sound editing. That sounds like a challenge. I know. Um, but yeah, between a uh, Wang and his erstwhile waifu, the population of Japan in this show is about a sixty percent blondes. I think it's because she kind of has to be saber just a little bit. Like she's the action girlfriend. Of course, she has to look like saber. That's just. A law or something. That's oh, like anime you don't want to go to you don't you know go to how, anime like, jail. You know how like in 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 countries where you know either they're you know they're brewing or they're what is what is the what is the verb for making wine for like fermenting vint, vintning no. something like that where that's so very very important to them right and so there are standards that must be met <laughs> right you know that it has to you know include at least you know this amount of you know that ingredient or this amount of that and it must have an alcoholic content of at least you know this amount it's kind of like that in anime but you know for action waifus must look at least, you know, 60% of them must look exactly like fucking Saber. Alright, we're gonna call that the Saber Theorem, or Legault's Greater Saber Theorem. I kind of dig that. There's something I want to get to, so... I have to explain something else to make this point. I've always had this concept, because I read a bunch of Western comic shit, too, and all that's the superhero comics thing, whatever. It's, it's how you brought up. And I had a rule I called the uh, Riddler Theorem. Mm-hmm. Was I always thought the sort of Riddler and Joker plots... We're always dangerous because their ceiling would always be the actual intelligence of the writer. That's the thing. It's 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 hard to write a show about smart people if you are not yourself. And if a moron is writing a Riddler story, the riddle is going to be like, what fits in my hand and shoots bullets at several hundred miles an hour? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, Edward Nigma and Lydon. Oh, he shot me. <laughs> so that's a problem, right? So this show tries to go for some, I don't know, those puzzle box shonen fights, little information warfare bits, whatever. 
But Pioneer. the writers are not quite that smart. So it will start with him trying to do some intellectual thing, you know, dodging her blade change. He control her mind. Whatever. She's Scorpion. Work with it. Basically, yeah, yeah. It, it worked functionally. She's identical to Scorpion. And it starts with him just shooting at her, and that doesn't work because chains, I guess. But he's contrived some kind Scorpion of corner Jedi. contraption where you can pull a cloth and it shoots his gun, but that doesn't work. And that's supposed to be the puzzle solution. So then he's just running at this girl with his intellect and pluck, and he's just hitting chains with his backpack. It would have been now been this. My mind versus her mind ends with him screaming at her like a fucking linebacker. <laughs> Swatting chains with his backpack, dodging chains like he's the fucking flash. And, and just finally tackling out chick. his gun. <laughs> and... That was highly amusing, but what's even funnier in terms of dumb guys writing puzzle fights is how the first fight ended up. Which is, they had a moment where it could have been him outsmarting the guy. Like, he basically gets around his detection thing and hits him with a fucking fire extinguisher or whatever. But the guy survives that. It's like when a wrestling f- match goes on too long past the first finisher. Yeah, no, and, and, and it ends in a stupid way. You know, it, go- it goes beyond that. And instead of outsmarting him, right, uh, the dude has him dead to rights. And then, because he's invisible, right, because that that's his stand, right, mm-hmm. um, a car does not see him, and hits him, and he dies of internal bleeding. Now, keep in mind, this is our first conflict. This is when you, theoretically, endear us to our pers- our protagonist yeah, through like like his grit or yeah, his he ingenuity. He either has enough smarts or enough pluck to finish the fight himself, but, um... But he's... No. Just a cart. The guy just gets hit by a fucking cart. I and have I'm, never like, I, seen this. And, and, and I... And I and I won't say that I wasn't entertained because it 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 was a really funny car crash. <laughs> it was entertaining. <laughs> um, but it completely killed any sort of um forward momentum the protagonist could have gained going forward into the show. Yeah, if I were to borrow the wrestling parlance again, he kind of got buried in he the first match. Kind of got buried there. in the first match. Yeah. No. Even if even if he did get the uh, even if he did uh, get the pin, um. Yeah. So that's why I I will not call this a good show, uh, but it is a very entertaining show. Like I said, A Gentleman's Six. A Gentleman's Six. Um, It just reminded me... Of... Oh, and it would have been A Gentleman's Seven if not for like the last minute and a half or so. Good fucking God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She tumbles on him naked, etc. I don't know. It's like, you know, anime shit happens. No, I, that's not fair. Uh, fucking shonen shit happens. I'm just... Is that known to happen in Sinon? No, it's not known to happen in Sinon because Sinon... <laughs> because Sinon readers and Sinon viewers tend to be smarter than that. And they do not fucking fall for those tricks. A uh, consumer block with a... What's the what's the insider term? Um, fucking standards. A fucking standards. They're just older. They're like... They don't... <laughs> so, yeah, this... They've seen that shit a million <laughs> times before and they're like, oh, Okay, neat trick. What's next? This has been an interesting episode on our end because we pretty much jumped across the entire fucking quality spectrum of anime here. Huh? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I I honestly wish that I watched more shows like Darwin's Game because there's it's a show that really only exists in anime, right? And mm. wh- whether it's good or not, um, oh, there's something. 
There's something that I deeply enjoy about something being so very unapologetically anime like this. I appreciate that kind of dumb purity. I think that it's kind of important for us every now and then. Stuff like this and Fairy Gone, I think. Oh, because man. Because basically... Fairy Gone has a dub now, and I think I'm going to try watching it and see if it helps me understand what the fuck was going on in that show. We've got a date with it. I think that'll be interesting. Uh, but what I think happens when you have a review show like this is you, sometimes you see, you know, good stuff that's very experimental or formally innovative, whatever, or bad stuff where it doesn't even matter what fucking genre it is. It's just sort of scraping a certain type of bottom of the barrel. And I think seeing something like this that's just dumb and frenetic sort of just reminds you on what the base level of engagement of anime is it's, that it, sort of roped you in in the first place. The whole thing was very Adult Swim. Yes. Like, exactly the sort of thing that you'd be watching on Adult Swim circa, you know, 2003, 2004 or so. Yeah, I could see it hitting those airwaves very quick, like. Man. Any uh, closing thoughts on these this business? Gee, Davey. Which show do you recommend, not recommend, and think was okay? Unearth these mysteries for our readers, Davey. I should watch Vinland Saga. Oh yeah, totally watch Read Vinland Saga. I mean, I made it my number one fucking comic for of, of the past fucking decade. I, I, finally, but... I finally dipped my toes into it, and oh, the water is nice. It is warm, pure healing water. Anyway, this has been... Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. I am Denard Dale, a.k.a. Blind Monkey. I am Sam Legault, the artist formerly known as Mute Monkey. His other name is a symbol. Thanks for watching. Um, also, yeah, I, I guess I'll do the plugs. Uh, WeeabooHell.com, SeymourEvil.com. Download it wherever you listen to podcasts. I think it's on all of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I listen to us on Spotify. If out of all our viewers, mostly concentrated on the West Coast and Russia for some reason, based on my site statistics, if you're in New York, I don't know. I do stand-up. Check it out. It's great. Russia. I don't know, man. It's weird. It might just be a VI. It might just be a uh, VPN thing. I... It could be. Yeah. Anyway, thank you all. Have an excellent week. Also, we're, we're shooting for weekly now, so week. Committing. See you next fucking week. Cool. That's, that's how I say, I'm sorry, my German is bad. Do you speak English? <laughs> yeah, uh, Sam was recently drafted by the German mafia. All right, let's figure out which way we're going we're gonna to look at each. Ooh, do the Germans have Should a mafia? Any, That'd be cool. Any random chatter you want to put here? There's a good chance I'll end up being our stinger if you do. Oh, man, what do I want? Now, here's the thing. Like, all that's on my mind right now is just the liters upon liters of beer that are coming this fall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, everyone, the ending of Weeaboo Hell will be when we go to this uh, Munich trip. Not um, Tokyo, as September. it would have. Oh, yeah. I Not mean, Tokyo, interestingly enough. Oh, yeah. Tokyo, we might have to do, I don't know, live tweet, live blog. Is there a live podcast? I, mean, I guess most podcasts are live unless you're doing like a hardcore history kind of thing. I think a lot of them are scripted. Well, like, riffing ones are usually live, yes. But, like, a lot of the ones that I listen to, like uh, Revolutions, Hardcore History lore that kind of thing that that's pretty scripted right there oh yeah oh yeah i should put a plug uh, coming out this um spring i'll be doing the history of history title pending a totally serious and non-satirical history podcast series 
I might use his voice. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not settled yet. He's very. He's very capable of doing things that are not satirical. I'm very capable. It's not a disease that's held me back since I was 13. 